We'll do it live, baby. All right, these are some bonus episodes of Good Morning Camera live from Buffer Festival on the floor. We have a couch, we have a plant. You can't see it, but I'm telling you, it's fabulous. And I'm very excited for our first conversation. I don't know how much time we have. I'm going to take every minute I can. Zach Ramelin, how are you today? I'm excellent. Yeah. Anytime I see your face, I feel joy. Do you feel joy when you see my face? Absolutely. I see your, I see your face probably once or two or three times a day before every YouTube video I watch. Fantastic. Please do not get a premium YouTube subscription. That is the only way I am in your life. Uh, Zach is an amazing creator. To call him a YouTuber would be an understatement, but he is amazing at that. He's built an audience. He has a film that has been released. He's been working on films and just an active, positive energy in the community. I th I, you know, that's something I feel like I had to mention as well, right? Where it seems like anyone that wants to get in touch with you and talk to you and ask questions, like you, you are just readily available. We'll get to all of that. I just want to talk about first your experience of bringing this film to light. Give us the title, give us a little synopsis and just the experience of bringing this film, you know, last night to a screen in front of a live audience. First off, thank you for that beautiful introduction. I'm going to use that as like my hype, my hype track as I enter rooms. Um, the first thing, uh, yeah, so we, we premiered our movie last night, Clementine, which is a short science fiction movie. It clocks in at about 13 minutes long. And it is a film in the genre of like Black Mirror, mm. um, where it's like a cautionary tale sci-fi type movie. And the best way I can pitch it is the film is based in like a dystopian future where a company, let's say like Amazon or Apple, creates like a smart home that protects these people inside of them. And the story is like, well, what if something went wrong? What if you got stuck in there? And so we follow the story of a young girl who's trapped inside this futuristic smart home and her family's on the other side. And all she wants is to connect with her family. She doesn't know where they are. And she's kind of un revealing these different little mysteries throughout the home. She finds blood on the floor. She sees some damage. Um, and we're kind of picking up the pieces as the film goes along, sort of in a mystery slash maybe I'll give away, but uh, home invasion type mm. flavor. So, You know, when I think of these things, I always think about the inception of the idea. You know, when I'm planning a photo shoot, it often stems from this one, often in the shower, idea or spark. And I know it's been years, but when did you first get that thread of an idea of like, oh shit, I think this is my next project? It's a great question. So I thought of this, I watched a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode. Oh, okay. And it was where Pierce Brosnan is Hal, to, uh, Hal from like 2001 Space Odyssey, and he takes over the home and the family's trapped inside. I'm like, wow, this is, this is one of those things where you're watching The Simpsons, you're like, you guys are onto something, mm. and you're really playing it off as something silly, but it's, this is really smart. I mean, Simpsons predicts the future, so I mean. It predict, and it, it predicted, predicted this film. Yes. Thank you, Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, I, I should have thanked The Simpsons at, at the end credits. People were like, were like, what, The Simpsons? Hey, hey don't thank him too hard, because that Disney mouse, he might be coming for some royalties. Let's, hey. That's true. Mickey, One thank you is what you get. Mickey Mouse, stay out of this. <laughs> um, we, so I watched that film, and then for about six years, seven years, I kind of pocketed the idea because it was a relatively ambitious film, and it was also 
since the concept is something that I, I find that we have collective consciousness ideas where, and this, this has happened many times where, you know, I've dabbled in a ton of different uh, genres, whether it's horror, documentary, uh, YouTube videos, and you'll usually see that people come up with ideas in their heads and then they'll all start kind of doing them at the same time. I remember I was at like a horror film festival and like the, that year it was like mermaid movies and everyone was making mermaid movies. You see it with like the prestige and the illusionist happen, coming yeah. out at the same time. And that's why there's like 15 Pinocchio movies coming out this fall. There's 15 Pinocchio. I yeah. just watched a trailer for the Pin Pinocchio yeah. movie, the one, the one, the one, one of them with Tom Hanks in it. Yes. Uh, and it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It's And I think there's a thing with that. And so, you know, what ended up happening with this idea is the longer I sat on it, the further away it got from me and the closer it went to someone else. I find mm. it's like good ideas are sort of like relationships. Was that something you felt inside of you or something you were seeing? Um, I, it was actually happening. So I had this idea where, okay, person trapped in this futuristic home and they can't get out. And I, I never landed on the ending idea. And I never landed on like, what was the thing that attached the audience to it? And so therefore it got away from me and it went to somebody else. And what ends up happening with that is then someone else does it. And they're like, oh, I guess I'll never do it. I guess it's, it's ran away from me because not only was I trying to find the right idea, I was trying to be a perfectionist. I was also a procrastinator part of it, which the two go very hand in hand yes. in that creative process. And so, um, you know, and the more ideas I saw come out, the less I wanted to do the idea. And then sure enough, sort of like lightning, it just sort of struck a few years later where I was like, oh, what if, what if we did it this way? And actually my partner, Jackie, uh, who's also uh, in this podcast, for those of you who might be listening. Listening attentively, ready to strike. We don't know when, we don't know how, but she's here. Yeah, you're just like a, I was going to say a cougar ready to attack, but that's maybe the wrong animal to bring up. Not at this expo. Maybe not at this expo. There's some people that take that term quite literally. Let's be careful now. Okay, you're like a... Like a, like a cheetah, cheetah yeah. ready to attack the zebra. <laughs> um, so Jackie, my partner, who I, uh, I've watched um, do her acting classes and see her perform, started thinking, what if the character was someone a little bit different? And I think as creatives, as much as we have these ideas illustrated in our heads of exactly how we want to do it, we have this full picture, we've drawn it in our head, I think it's very wise to be able to go back to the drawing board again and again and again, even though mm. if we're attached to an idea or we really love it, you know, my favorite filmmakers always play the what if, mm -hmm. right? The what if lens. What if you did a story where it was a guy trapped on an island and a farting corpse saves his life, you know, and that's yeah. the story of a Swiss Army man, yes. you know, and you, you find these really beautiful original stories when you play the what if. And so I think it's also important to do that on our own ideas. And Clementine was that I had this very specific idea that was never happening. So I was like, either I allow this to stay as an idea that gets rotten and sour in my head and just never gets done, yeah. or I put the what if lens on, try to change it a little bit, and the result of that was a film that I was very excited about. So I took what was available to me, which also I think is really important. You know, what we like to do is we like to create these illusions of movies in our heads that maybe it will take millions and millions of dollars to do. And then we put the lens of procrastination over where it's like, oh, I'll never make it because I don't have the money. I don't have the resources, ah, whatever. And instead, you know, with this film, I, I, I kind of reverse engineered it because I was like, okay, six years have gone by. I've, I haven't touched this film. Yeah. What if I change the main character? What if I change the location into this location that I might have available to mm. me? And all of a sudden, it just like the puzzle pieces started to fall into place. All of a sudden, I had a lead actor. 
we had this unbelievable house to shoot in. We had an incredible DOP. And I, I you know, we were talking about this before the podcast and it sounds a little wishy-washy, but I call it <laughs> surrender filmmaking where, mm. you know, a lot of the time I've always tried to be very controlling of everything where it's like, I need to find the, the DOP I want to work with. I need to find the actor I need to work with. I'm gonna yeah. blah, blah, blah. But instead I was like, let's just see what comes to this movie yeah. instead of me trying to be this stressed out control yeah. freak. And the result was a festival landed in our lap. I got to work with an incredible cinematographer, incredible actor, production designers, all these people who just fell into place within the span of a month. Right. All of it started happening. Wow. So, I, I, you know, that part where you, you sort of say the what if, it reminds me of something because a lot of my photo shoots are like that. You know, what if we just waterboarded someone with honey? And then we, I have one shot and it kind of stems out of that. And then I have a process where I'll go back and I'm like, all right, it's, for me it's storyboarding, whether it's photo or video. Storyboarding is sort of my like, refining process. So when you have these puzzle pieces of the story, you know what it is, where do you go? Do you go to writing? Do you go to sketches? Where do you go to sort of like lay the skeleton of what would become Clementine? So I love storyboarding and I think storyboarding can become sometimes maybe a bit of obsessive in a certain way, like I, I have, I, 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 growing up, I wanted to be like uh, an illustrator and like work for doing comics and stuff. I'm not the greatest drawer, but I just love being like, I can literally make anything on a piece of paper. It could, it could be like a cartoon character eating another cartoon character on top of a mountain in the sky. Were you one of those kids where like your notebooks was sketches all around the border as you're waiting for an actual note to write down? Because oh I feel God. that energy. Math class that. was just like the sides. Yeah. Like I would take like the number three and make it into eyeballs yes. and then just like put up your person's face onto it yes. and like never really have the equation or answer. Is like when my teacher was like, oh, how did you get to the answer? Yeah. And then they see all these doodles on the side. And be like that's not how you do yeah. pie. I mean, luckily it didn't turn into like, you know, super bad where it's just penises everywhere. Luckily it wasn't that. But I wasn't a penis guy. I was no. like the one kid who didn't do that. Oh, I was the enough. first kid who didn't obsess over it. No, I, I just <laughs> I was the innocent boy who just liked drawing fun, yeah. stupid drawings. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And uh, storyboarding is the closest version of that that I can do mm. because you actually don't have to be a good artist to storyboard as long as people get the idea of it. So I typically do all, I storyboard all the scenes I can't visualize as a shot list. But I, what I like about doing shot lists versus storyboards is shot lists are a little bit more vague and what it allows is creative collaborators to be able to put their own vision onto it and I feel like when you do storyboards you're sometimes very locked into what the end vision is going to be mm. which is, is fun and it's beautiful and there are scenes in Clementine that are shot for shot for the storyboard and I feel really happy because it's exactly what you want to make and yeah. when you're on set it's sometimes really hard to be creative when five million people are pulling at you, as I'm yeah. sure even on photo shoots. So yeah. having those storyboards is really important. Yeah. But there's also something really creatively liberating about just being like, okay, I need to get a close-up of an eye. How yeah. am I going to shoot it? Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. with like five other creatives where you've got your production designer, Almost wardrobe. Almost leaving the door open for improvisation. And I think that's really important. I think it's like if you can at least get 60% of your structure, your spine, your skeleton in pre-production, but yeah. then allow 40% or even 70 or 30% or on set that gives n not this crazy stress and pressure to create, you know, gold in the moment, but it allows for improvisation, like you said, yeah. to sort of find its way. Because 
when you're you know in your boring ass living room tr at midnight drawing storyboards it's so hard to be inspired you're like i don't know what the location looks like i don't know what the wardrobe looks like production design all these things yeah. but when you go on set and you're with a good crew i think that's a very important thing if you're with good people all of a sudden ideas start coming yeah. and you're just like oh like what if we what if we did this shot like i mean there were so many shots that we did in the film that were just sort of spur of the moment and in as a result it turned out great. Yeah, I'm sure I'm stealing this from someone, but like feeling the light is something I'll say. Is once you kind of feel the light a bit, you know, you, you kind of like get a texture for the light of wherever your set is or studio is, whatever it may be. All of a sudden, you start to feel it happening. We're like, oh, I'm seeing the scenes kind of happening in front of me. Um, this is a question I want to ask you, and I saved it from yesterday when we briefly spoke. Outside of like being with family and your partner, that kind of stuff, where are you at peace? Where do you find yourself at peace? That's a really good question. Yeah. I like that. Where am I at peace? So, you know, it's funny because for the longest time, I, I, I wore this, this lens of being like, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a director, I'm an editor. And, you know, what we tend to do, whether, whatever profession it is, whatever lifestyle it is, is we wear that personality like it's our layer of clothing, it's a badge of honor, you're like, I am this person. Yeah. And you wear it so hard that you actually forget, like, who am I, like, deep down? Like, okay, I shed the layer of being a filmmaker. All right, that's easy, because that's what I am on the weekends. Okay, but who am I, like, when I shed the layer of, like, being someone's partner or being someone's son or being someone's... And so recently I did a retreat um, where, you know, I, I didn't bring a camera. It was my first trip I've done in years where I didn't bring a camera. I didn't bring my laptop. And I just went and I was. I was just this guy. And no one knew who I was. And I didn't come in as like a filmmaker. I didn't come in as anything but just Zach. Yeah. I'm like, all right. It was so scary. So scary because as a creative, I think we, at least for me, I tend to like in social situations, if I ever get awkward, I'm like, I'm just going to pretend that I'm taking a photo yeah. and I'm going to hide behind my camera. Meanwhile, it's like that guy who like goes on his phone or girl goes on their phone at a bar and just like scrolls through their apps yes. to make it look like they're doing something. I would do that with my camera. Yeah. I it's my a security blanket. I do the same thing. I'll, I'll strap a small camera, you know, any social engagement. And that's my excuse to not talk to people. Not because I don't want to, but because it's almost like an adaptive tool. Like, let me get to something comfortable and then maybe work up the courage, you know, to do, to be a regular person. And so when you're in these environments where you're like, okay, all I have is to be vulnerable and open. Mm. You know, if, if each, if each thing that you hide behind is, let's say a layer of clothing, it's like your camera is your, your jacket. Yeah. Should we stop with it? Uh, I kind of like, what are they, what is she announcing? If you would like to walk the red carpet, Oh, so they're doing a red carpet, folks. For those of you listening after the fact, they have a red carpet here, and people are dressed up in, like, fantastic costumes. Um, this is my first time attending, and I, I'll tell you, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I may have been a bit judgy about this whole thing, but when I got here, there's a community around cosplay. Oh, we're back to the show. All right, so tell me about that, Zach. Tell me about that, that experience oh. of just being there and, and sort of having to get rid of your security blanket. Yeah, so if... if Everything that we do is like a layer of clothing. So let's say your jacket is your profession and your shirt is your relationships and your underwear is like everything else. I was completely naked. Mm. And, and it's scary. It's scary being vulnerable and naked in front of people yeah. when it comes to being just purely yourself. But on the other side of that, you really start getting the DNA of who you actually are. And I think it's really important for us to exercise that. 
because without knowing who we are, it's really hard for that to then translate to the movies we make, the art that we create, how we show up in the world. And so I started my year with that, figuring out who I am, and I was around a, a great chunk of people who were really able to like tell me who I was because mm. I know who I am as a creative. I know who I am as a partner. I know who I am as a friend. Yeah. But who I am on my own without those things beats yeah. me. Yeah. And it was really fun to figure out who that was. And so... Um, I recommend anybody do it. I recommend yeah. anyone just get naked. Yes. From Leave all the identities in the title. Or, or maybe actually naked. Legit I mean, naked going, is, is also a very beaches. liberating thing. Hey, there's some beaches. I've wound up on those beaches accidentally <laughs> for photo shoots. I did a photo shoot last year where like we brought all the, the, these brand items out. And we were doing like this like paddleboard shoot. And like the CEO of the company's there. He flew down from New York. We have a whole crew. We get onto the beach. And we're like, ah, oh, this is a great beach. Looks great. And then we turn around. And some guy is just like... I'm, I'm, I'm on my knees with the camera and I rotate my head and I'm eye level with something I never want to yes. be eye level with yes. at a certain age range I never want to be eye level with. And I was like, we're on the wrong beach. We should get to the other beach. And then Zach hit puberty. That was the day. Um, one of these things I tried to, and it kind of, lo- <laughs> we tried to sort of um, is figure out is like, like, who are you, right? And this is a question that I think a lot of creators eventually have to ask themselves. And more and more as I talk to people, it's like, I don't want to be known as a YouTuber or a photographer or a director. Like there's some sort of other thing or an essence that you want to be known as or strive toward or earn, you know? And I'll give an example. Like for me, it's really about being someone that wanted to move my craft forward in a generous way where there is just like a ton of people we bring in and educate and empower and we give back and with intention. That's what we work toward. So for you, what is that? What do you want to be kind of known as when people think about Zach? I don't know how often you think about other people thinking about you, but it's going to happen. What is that for you? Well, there's a great quote, which is like, I am not who I think I am. I am not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Mm. And we, you know, let, let's all just brew in that for oh, a second. This, yeah. But it's like, we all operate that way. I, we're not the only ones in this podcast yeah. who think that way. And we all think that way all the time. It's not just once a day or twice a day. It's probably like 5,000 times a day. And the internet, art amplifies that. It's like my art is not what I want it to be. It's not what I want people to think. I want, it, it's what people, I think people think it's going to be. Yeah. And it's such a mind trip, you know. I think the internet, social media, all that stuff is just like an accelerator on those types of things and that type of mentality, which then really skews what our actual goals and ambitions are. And, you know, when we operate in a sense that, our trajectories are maybe skewed all of a sudden it's like this straight path from like a to b all of a sudden goes on an angle it goes to the left and right because a zigzaggy path to where we want to go and sometimes we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves yes another great quote yes please thank you ice cube (laughs) i was about to drop you know all first eight bars but i'm like nope this is we we didn't get the license for that one so no we we would be rickety wrecketing ourselves right there (laughs) so you know I forget where, where we left off, but it's like who, who I want to be, you know, as a creative, it's always changing. Mm. And I think that's important to sort of give ourselves that sort of creative liberty because, you know, I've, my, my, my pie in the sky goal for a really long time was like, I want to win an Oscar. And it's not necessarily like, oh, I want to see myself up on stage, like holding an Oscar. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I watched the Oscars this year. I'm like, I don't know if this is my goal anymore. I, I, I started going to the gym. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to work on my chin just in case. <laughs> Just in case. Oh, if I can, if I can slap you on stage, it would be a complete honor. Can we please do that? Can we please plan yes, it? It's, it's right now. 
We're manifesting it. Manifesting. We were talking about manifesting before this before this podcast. But, you know, it, it's like, I think if we, if we should always check ourselves before we get to our goals that we're aiming towards and also figure out, like, what those goals are. Like, yeah. you know, at the, the, I, I was going in a couple different directions at the beginning of this year. You know, I was, I was building a company out. I was uh, doing a pun- bunch of different projects. And I, I left that company. Mm. I left those projects. And I made those sacrifices so that I could really do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. But I was under the illusion that what my thing was, was to build out this company. Yeah. Or was to do these other projects. And, you know, it's very easy to get lost in the shiny objects that come our way. Whether they're really good opportunities. Oh, this brand's going to pay me this thing to travel this thing. Or I'm building a company that's really growing and there's an audience and my ego is so happy. Yeah. But my soul is burning. And it's like we, you know, it's it's like we're at a, we're at, it's a race between our soul and our ego. Yes. And usually the ego's in the, in the lead. And I think that's something to like get a grasp of and be like, our egos need to, Maybe maybe get in the back of the race. Maybe they. Need hey, you're to talking to Mr. Speed. Kill Your Ego. Like this is one of the things I had to work on for myself, and I subscribe to it, and I try to preach it in a in a healthy way. Is kill your ego, kill your ego, because so we're so detached from our soul and what we want and what we actually want. And one of the things we we mentor a few kids and we bring people on set, and we'll talk about goals. And the one thing I'll say is like it's okay to have goals. It's okay to want an Oscar. It's okay to want a million YouTube subscribers. What I will challenge you is ask yourself why. And then ask yourself why five more times. Because if it dissolves to money or fame, it's okay. It's not strong enough, though. That when shit hits the fan, when nobody likes you, or when you get to 50,000 subscribers and a scandal happens and everyone hates you, or no, you know, no grants are coming in, no, no sponsors are coming in, it's not going to be strong enough to keep you going. And that's sort of where I'm at. So I'm glad you mentioned uh, some a version of that, though, right? Oh, dude. Um, I mean, not not to plug this at all, but it's like I, I literally wrote that in my book. <laughs> is the the ask why five times? I because, gotta get your book too, dude. It, it, it's a full t- title of the book. Uh, the unoriginal guide to being original. Available on Amazon. Bar- Fucking Done. Amazon. Amazon. I know it's everywhere. Well, Henry's doesn't sell books. What can I do? I'm sorry, Henry's. Yeah. All I, right. If you need your books, go to Amazon. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Amazon, Amazon makes making books so easy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it is ask why five times. And someone asked me the other day because I, I do these these same day edit things, which are or, or very you know mentally and uh, creatively challenging. It's like a decathlon. It's it's my it is its own like ultra event. Yes. And also filming at the same time. And someone asked me like, oh, how do you do them so good? Like da da da. And it's like it's time it, like it took me like 10 years to get to this point like anybody who expects themselves to be at a certain success rate in a year or two years or after watching 100 tutorials it's like it's a time it really thing. is a slumdog millionaire right where you have like this tapestry of things that allow you to go into final cut premiere and be like here's your same day edit oh 100%. it's not just one thing oh yeah I'm, I'm going back to all these like past things that i've done and it's like without those it's you know i'd be i'd be shooting myself in both legs you know yeah. expecting myself to do a certain output you know so i think you know knowing what our core why is when we operate in these situations where you're under all this intense pressure um, or to do these, you know, really creative things is so important because, okay, if you need to put in the the, the 10 years, you know, there's the same as like 10,000 hours, but it's like, okay, what happens is more than 10,000 hours? What happens if it's 10 years of of effort that needs to go into something? You can't just What if it never happens? What happens if it never happens? Right. And, and, okay, you got to put 10 years in 
and you haven't reached a million subscribers, you haven't reached that monetary thing, or you're at year nine and you're at 100 subscribers, that you can't, it's so hard to do an output if your goal is some sort of number metric. or metric yeah, yeah. that's in the shadow of someone else's success. Yes. There's a lot, you know, it, a lot of us are, as creatives, are very uncreative with our goal setting. Yeah. We look at someone else's success and be like, I want to be Steven Spielberg. Yeah. I want to be Peter McKinnon. I yeah. want to be this person. And it's like, no, 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 no. The you, shadow of Peter just looms over every Canadian YouTuber. A hundred percent. And it's like, you know, like Peter didn't live in Peter's shadow. No. Peter lived in his own thing that he created and therefore got to where he wanted to get. Yeah. Spielberg didn't live in Spielberg's shadow. And it's like, we live in a really beautiful era of hybrid hybrid creatives where it's like, you know, if you were to if you were to take a look at Peter's stuff, yeah. Peter is a YouTuber, but he's also like kind of music video director and he's also like this stylish, cool, magician, yeah. mysterious punk guy. Yeah. And you blend those together and that's Peter McKinnon. Yeah. But if he were to have just lived in the path of some other guy, he would never have made it to his thing. Yeah. He is a hybrid creative. Steven Spielberg, the exact same way. They took the blend of things that they liked and made their own path with that. And I think we need to do that with our own goal setting. Yeah. If you're like, oh, I want, I want Spielberg's budgets. I want Peter's subscribers. Yeah. You're, not, you're not being creative with your success path. And therefore, okay, maybe you do make it. One, you're going to be unsatisfied. Yeah. Or two, you're not going to make it and you're going to be unsatisfied. So yeah. it's like it's, it's, there's no satisfaction. Yeah in the path of following in someone's footsteps, yes. there's way more satisfaction to be like, I'm going to blend this sort of hybrid path for me to go down. I'm going to find what my why is. I'm going to go deep down, find that core why, which usually, I mean, I'm sorry to say is it's like goes to like childhood trauma or something. <laughs> and you go down. How like, often it gets there, but it's true. It's true. And if you can get down to that six-year-old version of yourself of like, why did they want to be a creative? Okay, yeah. I want to be heard. I want to be seen. I want to yeah. change that nerdy kid who got bullied in school's life because, you know, some creative did that for me. Go great. Go do that. Yeah. You know, like I, growing up, I grew up in like a bubble. I was like a kid with a ton of food allergies literally like rode the short bus you know picture that that nerdy kid who most people probably made fun of that was me yeah. but movies and art got me through that and i want to do that for the next bubble kid and yeah. if i can do that i'm satisfied yeah. but if i want to get a million subscribers it's gonna be so unsatisfying the whole process when i get there all yeah. of that stuff yeah and for me i i often tell people it's not enough it's not enough you're gonna hit something and that million is not gonna feel like enough of an intrinsic force to put you through that obstacle, right? Um, it's kind of off topic, but I mean, it kind of relates. Like, do you do you enjoy suffering? Like, suffering for your art? I, I So I heard this saying uh, at this endurance event that I was currently at, and it's called Type 2 Fun. Have you heard of this? No. So Type 1 Fun is fun. It's yeah. like going to the beach, watching a sunset, yeah. you know, going on a nice hike, having some beers with your buds, yeah. you know, watching a movie at Buffer Fest. Yeah. Though that's Type 1 Fun. It's really easy to think of. Type 2 fun is the hard stuff that makes really good memories. Mm. So it's like going on that long hike that the pouring rain started ro roaring down and you were stuck in the rain, you were freezing cold, you didn't know if you were going to make it home, but you got home, yeah. you warmed up by the fire, and a month later you're telling a story to your friends. Yes. And that was a Type 2 fun experience. 
you go and do this really hard thing and overcame it. And in the moment, it's not fun. But in the future, it's something you tell your grandkids. Yeah. And I realized that my type of fun is type two fun, mm. which is the form of suffering, which is a form, uh, which is not, sorry, I don't think there, I don't like to suffer. I like discomfort, but I don't like to suffer. I think suffering is, is kind of killing yourself twice. Yes. You know, it's going through pain two times. So, so in your eyes, the suffering is more akin to like you're going through the pain and there is no joy on the other side or sort of that dopamine response, yeah. you know, that kind of fills you with positivity. Okay. Yeah, because I think it's like pain is necessary, suffering is optional. Mm. And if, if we put ourselves through pain, there's probably something to learn from. When we suffer through something, we're not learning. All we're thinking about is just how much it sucks the whole time. Like right. this past, uh, or the company that I was building, I was talking about, uh, is a cold exposure company. It takes people in. We go into like ice holes. We right. like, crack open ice with an ax and we go dive the, in. And funny enough, the like, Wim Hof sort of thing, right? Wim Hof stuff. And, yeah. it, and it's really good for your body, but it's also a form of pain therapy. Right. And, uh, and, and it's crazy, you know, like like this past winter, we took like 400 people into the water all at once. And it was like this really crazy thing. And to some, that might be suffering. But to those who know the benefits out of it, it's just painful and they feel good afterwards. Right. And it's a really interesting metaphor in two minutes of how you can go through something that's so physically hard, yeah. but yet very beneficial at the end. And I think, you know, that process is a prime example of suffering versus pain right and how how pain can be joyful so uh yes i like and as an artist yes. i i think my favorite memories on set are those late nights you know you're i'm, you're, o- I'm only type two fun i like you even more now because i'm only type two fun. you're a type two fun guy i don't go to resorts i turned down many invitations to go to the parties last night's party nah not my thing you know i, I am only a type two fun in my life and i also understand that also might be a flaw because it might deprive my friends, the social circle of the fun that they enjoy, and I'm not contributing to that, whereas they do contribute to my type two fun. So it's something that I gotta work on, and every now and then, I'll almost like a guest appearance. I'm like, here to get trashed with you guys. Here we go. Type one fun, my quarterly type two, type one fun, right? But I, I love that the quarterly type <laughs> type one fun. I I love quarterly type one fun. This weekend is my quarterly. Oh, there, there we go. Yeah, there I'm doing go. my quarterly, and then I go back to just like going into ice holes and and being in pain. What's next? What What's next? What are you up to next? I mean, the goal is so our, our short film that premiered last night. We want to make it into a feature film. Yeah. Every Every movie I make, I try to at least give it the potential and or trajectory to be something larger. Yes. And so this film is kind of the next one to try and see if we can get get its legs off the ground and make a full feature length film out of it. And that'll be kind of the next big goal. How can people support this? Like, you know, is this going to be available to watch on demand? Can we rent it? How do we support this project? It's a great question. So right now we haven't figured out its online platform yet. There's a couple places that are already interested in it. So we'll we'll kind of go down that route to try and find an avenue for it. Right. Steven Spielberg, any big producer, directors who are yes. listening to this podcast He right listens now? to the show. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Rodriguez, right. whoever's yes. on here. Yes. Um, Vin- Villeneuve. Yeah. We have know. James Cameron as a guest, you know, next week. So we'll let him know. Yeah. 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 Oh, camp. He's Cammy. doing the media tour for Avatar's re-release. Oh, we'll yeah. get it. We'll let him know, Zach. We'll let him know. Yeah. If you can let Cameron know, um, if you'd like to support my movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doors <laughs> open. Open arms. <laughs> Amazing, man. So when you sort of look at this journey you've been on and bringing this thing to life, you know, across the entire thing. Was it last night seeing it and seeing people react to it, especially when you live in such an online space most of the time? Was that the most 
joyful moment or was there some other part in this journey that was most joyful to you? Uh, it's such a great question because I think about that all the time. You know, when you when you make a movie, you're on set. All you're thinking about is the premiere. You're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna premiere it. People are gonna see the movie. It's gonna be this big thing. And then all the whole time you're at the premiere, it's like I just want it to be over. I just want it to like screen. And then the movie, or, or, or like leading up to premiere, you're like I just want it to play. I want it to play well. And then once it starts playing, all you're like is I just want it to be over. And I just want to like be up on stage, talk about, it, and then get off and enjoy the other movies. And then as soon as it's over, you're like, oh, that was it. Yeah. And then it's just like this blur that went by. So, you know, I think we really amplify this idea of a premiere and getting the movie out there. While it is so satisfying, by the time a movie makes it onto screen yeah. and it's being projected in front of an audience, if you're the director, editor, or director, editor, writer, producer, creative, everything behind yeah. it, it's a wash of colors you see on screen with yeah. a bunch of sounds. And you're like, are people seeing colors and sounds or is it an actually movie playing? <laughs> yeah. And so it's fun to have the legitimate reaction from people be like, oh, this is, I love this scene. It was super scary. You're like, oh, great. You didn't just see like a bunch of rainbows, you know, yeah, for yeah, 13 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, for I ask also a lot of these questions I ask are, are often selfishly driven because I love talking to creators to see what they think and if they perceive this journey similar or what differs and that's where I think we get a lot of useful little tidbits and nuggets and also just great conversation because for me as soon as the music video comes out or the photo shoot is done or it's published or whatever it is I don't care I don't want to see it I don't want to look at it I don't even want to talk about it you know what I mean I'm on to the next one and for me it's often the stuff that's not the paid work or the commercial work or the music video it's the stuff where like we're in a remote jungle and we met this tribal community and we took these photographs like I I'm more gravitating to that that's the stuff I don't mind like you know talking about and talking about but like the projects I'm always thinking about the next one so are you already thinking about the next one or are you kind of like enjoying this a little bit I'm enjoying it a little bit like Jackie and I uh, my partner and she's also the lead of the film and watched me obsessively watch this movie like 10,000 times in our house I was talking to her last night. I'm like, this is it. Like, we're in it. We're in the thing. Yeah. And it's one of those things that just goes by in a blink. And, yeah, you're thinking about the next thing. But I like to think of movies as, like, children. You mm. know? It's like you've you've spent the whole time getting them up, get, getting them up, getting them, like, raised. And then it's, like, time for them to go out in the world. Yes. And so last night was our, our film's graduation party. And it's, mm. and it's going out to go to university or college. And now it's, like, figuring out, okay, what's the right college for it to go to? What's the right partner for it to meet? What's the right trajectory for it? So that's sort of the mentality that I'm in right now is thinking, where can this movie go so that it has the most successful trajectory? Yeah. And, of course, I'm thinking about a million other movies. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, while this movie's being made, you know, I'm making, like, three documentaries right now. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, doing the YouTube thing and all that stuff and really s spreading myself like an octopus in the creative s sense. Yeah. It's the only way I can operate. Yeah. But I, I, I truly love that, and, and I love giving films the best opportunity they possibly possibly can yeah. even though I hate the back end of all this crap where it's like oh, I gotta get funding I gotta find like uh, this yeah. producer help me make this movie here I am I gotta do an interview with Gadget from Henry yeah oh, god, god you know? <laughs> um, I think of my work as children too but children that I give away you know I just don't you know here you are you're made and now get out of here take my child yes and in, in, in all seriousness I think of it as like I don't own it and take the legal side out of it I don't own you anymore. So when yeah. you make this movie, is it your movie? Do you see it as your movie? Or now that it's made, it's now the audience's movie, what they see, what they interpret. It's now them. I have made it. I've given it to you. You've graduated. C'est la vie. Is that how it is or is it different? That's interesting. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a really bizarre process because it's like it's something that you obsess over day in, day out. Like like I'm not kidding. I've watched this movie so many times. And now all of a sudden it's like, I don't have to watch it anymore. I don't have to look at it anymore. It's completely done. Mm. And it's like, not even children do you have that relationship with. It's not like I had a kid and you're like, all right, we're not going to look at you anymore. That's it. We're done. Not even coming over for dinner. Ideally. 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 <laughs> you know? And it's and it's a bizarre process. Like something you're crazy passionate about is all of a sudden done, gone. And so I have a hard time doing that a little bit. Um, so it, for, it's still my baby. And since the... the point of this movie is for it to be something a little bit larger a to be a calling card b to be a feature film um there will be more work on the back end and and me and my producing partner and writer we're now going kind of guns blazing to build pitch decks and do all that stuff for the larger version right. which is you know you know maybe i downplayed it. it i find it interesting it's not my favorite part like i'd rather be behind a camera or be behind a computer not have to go on these stupid podcasts yeah <laughs> yeah terrible horrible who you know? brought these one plant this one sad plant yeah to sit by yeah. these sad plants and oh. talk about my five whys these are you cushions me? from home sense that have the tags because we got to return them god fan expo jeez uh yeah, no what? sound isolation yeah come on yeah, watch where this? watch where you're moving your bum. We need we need to keep these tags attached. <laughs> <laughs> that's same with all my clothing I'm wearing right now. It's all being <laughs> returned after this. I was gonna say that's a really fresh white shirt you're yes. wearing. Zach. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. The tag's still on the back. Yeah, use them as a nice bounce in our portrait studio. I got I got about two questions left that, okay. are, that sort of wrap up the show. It is Good Morning Camera, so I gotta ask a camera question. Like, what's your Mount Rushmore of cameras or camera things? Like, if you had a little kit, you know, you gotta go out, you gotta tell a story. It's just you. What's that Mount Rushmore of like, maybe it's four cameras or maybe it's like a camera lens and whatever. What's that Mount Rushmore for you? So I, I feel like I've actually, I've, I've got the camera system I really like. And I, for the longest time, I've never really like dialed in specifically on my camera gear. It's always just been like, oh, like I'll throw this in the kit and throw that in the bag and let's go. And it's always just been sort of this like mix match type shooting thing. And I've, I feel really good at what I've got um, now, which is a Sony FX3, mm. which, uh, and the lens I've been really shooting on recently is the 24 to 70 Sigma art lens. Mm. Um, got an ND on that guy. And what I like about the FX3 as a, as a film or video camera is the fact that it's got this lovely little top handle that I put all my attachments on, mm. like the monitor, the sound systems. But then I'm a huge gimbal guy. I mm. love shooting stuff on gimbal. Uh, Ronin S2 represent. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. And so I, I love I love doing the old gimbal gimbal thing. And so what I'll do is I'll shoot on the gimbal, but I'll take the top handle off, which has all my bells and whistles attached to it, and then it's just my raw camera on its own without all like the monitors and stuff. Pop that on the gimbal, fire it away, and to me it's like the fastest, quickest little system. I mm. love being light and nimble. As much as I'd be like, oh, I love an Alexa, or I love like these big cameras. I've never been able to find the logic in having one of those because I've yeah. always gotten the image that I want, and I think the story in the moment is more important than how crisp it looks at the end. Yes. So I always try to like fight for what can I get now without compensating the moment. Well, it's about getting to that minimum threshold. And at that point, you have enough ingredients and enough in that log file to like, okay, I can take it where it needs to go. You know what I mean? 100%. Uh, my last question, what I'm asking everybody, is you, you are aware of a, fa a very famous uh, coffee chain across Canada that have popularized rolling up the rim and you, you win a specific prize. If you had the power, all of a sudden, one day, all these coffee cups, people would roll it up and there's a message from you to them. What would that message be? 
Wow. Hmm. Wow, that's a, that's an interesting message. So they roll it up. So it's got to be like a sentence. It's got to be one thing. It's whatever like you like. It could be a word. This could be a fortune cookie. This would be okay. It's the unoriginal guide to originality. It's my whole book. They roll it up, and it's just this <laughs> scroll that they roll up. It just keeps keep rolling going, and rolling, rolling. Is it gonna be a QR code to it, Clementine? And they roll it up, and they roll yeah, it. could the, be whatever you the like. Amazon link. It's the Amazon link. That's right. <laughs> affiliate link. Yeah, yeah affiliate, affiliate link. link. <laughs> I can make some cash off that. Uh, okay, if it's a, if it's a saying, I mean, the first thing that that, that came in my head is you're enough. You know. Mm. I think far far too many of us feel like we're not enough. We operate mm. in this sense, and and I I subscribe to that almost every single day. And I have to do some self talk to make myself feel better. And we're all enough. We're all here yeah. for a reason. And you know, we might not feel like there's that reason today, but it's there. You yeah. know, we're we're here to to do something. Yes. And it's just to to operate with that, knowing that. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for your time. This has been this has been a blast. I, I enjoy it. this. I enjoy this. I'm, we're keeping the cushions. <laughs> Damn it. We're keeping the yeah, cushions. We're keeping, we're keeping the plants. We might even keep Zach. Who knows? Yeah, yeah I'm stuck on this couch now. Are you, was that a threat? Jackie's I feel like a, she gave me a threat. She's, like, she's going to fight me. <laughs> she's going to fight me on this. <laughs> Can we pass her the mic for a second? Is it my time to pounce like a tiger? Yes. <laughs> Now's your chance. Can you tell us sort of your favorite part of your, again, you were in it. Yeah. You also observe Zach in its process. I do. So a lot. What was sort of your favorite? Was there a moment or the phase through this, bring this film to life? What kind of stuck out to you that was special? I think it was the community Zach builds on set. Like everyone he brought on to set is a friend that he cares to connect with. Mm. And so it creates this like, you make really cool art, obviously, because there's an open creative communication, but you also make really great relationships and friendships in those three days. I think that mm. was the most special part to me was watching everyone. Like everyone was so cool and so open yeah. and Zach builds that space for people and it creates really awesome friendships and art. Amazing. Amazing. Where can people follow you, Zach? How can they keep in tune with your journey, support the journey? On the social medias. On so, the medias. Uh, at Zach on Ramlin. the pages. On the pages. Uh, check this QR code out. Uh, roll up the rim. You might find it. Uh, at Zach Ramblin um, yeah. on Instagram. Z-A-C-H for those Americans. Or Z-A-C-H. R-A-M-E-L-A-N for Zach Ramblin. And then YouTube, same deal. Website, same deal. Pretty unoriginal with my namings. Just my name. It's perfect. It's perfect. You Google Z-A-C-H. You're up there. Yeah, you're up there. Z a c h r a m e. Okay, you gotta get there. You, you gotta, gotta get, get there. there. Yeah, oh. Zach Ram. There's a, I think there's a Zach Ramsey, which has really effed me up on the internet for a really Guys, long time. Guys, I need you to search and then click on the right Zach Ramelin and screw Ramsey over. You know, we're coming for Zach Ram. We want to get to <laughs> Zach Ram. I need the, that at least. At the end of 22, if Zach Ram doesn't bring you first. We've all failed as a community, you two listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the show. And, uh, yeah, just keep following Zach. Support the journey and Clementine, hopefully, a theater near you. Thank you. Woo! Thank you.